Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, a global traveler, oh. an urban citizen. His name is Jay Harvey. Good to see you, Jay. Great to see you, Jim. Thanks for having me back. We're so glad to have you always. And I introduced you this way because we're talking about cities. We're talking about the big world out there. Right. We're talking about places that we dream about. Mm-hmm. Name a, a great city that you visited, just anyone. Um, I was just recently around the Houston area, which I loved and I'd never been to before. So I got a big charge out of that. Houston is a megalopolis. Yes. It's certainly a sprawling urban center. And when you think about a city like Houston or any great city, it's a collection of neighborhoods, isn't it? Right. These are smaller communities that are kind of banded together over a larger umbrella. And if you looked at it from space or doing a flyover in a plane, you could see the sprawling mass of humanity below. So in one way, it's one vast urban neighborhood, but when you get on the ground, it's a collection of different neighborhoods. Right. Yes. But neighborhoods are places where people gather in community and live side by side, even if they're not friendly. That's Correct. We all live in a neighborhood of a kind, don't we? Mm-hmm. And we're talking about cities, and cities play prominently in ancient history as well as modern history, ancient books as well as modern ones. And we're studying an ancient book today, the book of... Revelation. Revelation. And when I say the word revelation, people see all kinds of things. Yes, they do. Gargoyles, which aren't (laughs) named there, but sometimes you imagine that kind of stuff. Right. It does have some spectacular imagery, dragons and beasts, for instance, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, famously. Mm -hmm. But actually, the book of Revelation has some parts of it that are, well, a little bit more straightforward. Right. And so the Apostle John, the last of the 12 disciples to live out his lifetime in this world— followers of Jesus. He has a vision one day. He describes it at the book's beginning. He was in exile. He was imprisoned for his faith on an island called Patmos in the sea off the coast of Turkey, modern Turkey. And while he was there, on the Lord's Day, he says, which is a way of describing Sunday, the first day of the week, the day upon which Jesus rose from the dead, that was the Lord's Day. And while he was there on the Lord's Day, he had a vision. He said he saw heaven opened and Jesus actually appeared. Mm. And then Jesus spoke to him and said, I've got some things I want you to write down. Part of it is this apocalyptic imagery I just described, you know, the beasts and and the dragons and so on. And that's a future prophecy, you might say, about the way of this world. But at the front end of the book, he has specific words for churches in specific cities, specific neighborhoods. And he says to John, I want you to tell these churches— There are seven of them. I want you to tell them, each one, exactly what I've said. Now, I'm giving you all that, Jay, to say, here on Viewpoint these few weeks, we're looking at those cities and those churches one by one on the premise that what Jesus said then, 20 centuries ago, Mm -hmm. actually could be spoken today, and that those ancient cities have parallels in our modern world. Absolutely. And today we're going to talk about Thyatira, Mm. and its modern parallel— Oh. Well, wait till I come back and tell you what I think it is. <laughs> Thyatira. It's a city in modern-day Turkey, it was, in the ancient time in which John was writing. That was called Asia. So you have to think of yourself maybe in the city of Rome, which right. at the time was seen as to be the center of the universe. Right. And if you just went east from there, you'd get to Asia. Only they didn't go so far as China. <laughs> they kind right, of stopped right. in Turkey. Right. And that was called Asia. So Thyatira was a city in ancient Asia, or sometimes called Asia Minor. Right. And uh, Thyatira was a city that was famous for its fabrics. Mm. So in the ancient world, people 
would dye fabric. And to get dye, to get the color dye, it couldn't be produced chemically. It had natural sources. So you'd have certain kinds of sea creatures that would excrete certain things that could be whooped up together into to colors. What this suggests is it's very costly. I mean, think about how many of these sea creatures, for instance, you'd have to get to get a certain enough amount of a dye to, right, right. to color a whole ream of fabric. Uh, there were plant dyes, and some dyes were permanent, and some were temporary. And the, the world was not nearly as easily dyed, so to speak, right. as, <laughs> as we think of it now. But there was especially a dye of purple. Mm-hmm. And purple was one of the most expensive dyes. And it was a permanent dye. And it was very laborious to congregate it and then to apply it and so on and so forth. And Thyatira was like a place where you could get purple. Mm. So immediately we know, not only is it famous for its fabrics and its luxurious cloths, but for its dyes. Mm. And that made it a center of fashion and industry and commerce and money. Mm. 50 miles inland from the Aegean Sea, a place where the ancients traveled about to and fro to get the dye, to get the fabrics, to be able to be dressed up in the way that today we might think of a Chanel runway in Paris. Ah, you'd mm. Thyatira would be that place where you could really mm-hmm. get some clothes beautifully made, expensively woven. And Thyatira all around the world was recognized for this. It had a kind of a garment district, and it was this engine of wealth hmm. and fashion and industry. Right. What's that sound like? Uh, People I, all over the world, even if they were poor, they came there to work. Yes. They wanted to make clothes and be a part of this great I don't enterprise. Want, I don't want to sing, but I, I'm i thinking about New York. Of course. Okay. All I can think about is New York. When I read about ancient Thyatira, I think about New York City. Because New York City was in many ways fueled by immigrants who came from all over the world. And an entry-level place was to go to the garment district right. where people would have fabrics, they had all kinds of raw materials, and they would weave them together, sew them together, create fashion. And so while there once was a Chanel runway in Paris, once was, still is, today New York mm-hmm. is a place where, boy, high fashion and those high-end stores on Fifth Avenue and Park Avenue. I mean, when you talk about New York City, it's many things, but arising out of the industry and the labor of the garment district right. was born a whole city and an iconic influence. And that's Thyatira. Right. So that brings me to Jesus is speaking to Thyatira, to the people of God in that town 20 centuries ago. Is it possible that the things he said to them then actually have traction and power for the people in New York today? Or how about this? No matter where you live, you're in a neighborhood. And in the world in which we live today, clothes are manufactured not so much by hand, but by machine. They're translated all across the continents. Fashion is becoming, you might say, equalized. Mm -hmm. No matter what neighborhood you're in, no matter what city you call home, could those things said to the people in Thyatira actually be meaningful to me now? Absolutely. When we come back, Jay, I'm going to ask you to give us the words of Jesus to Thyatira, to New York, to all of us. Water you turned into wine You opened the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Into the darkness you shine And out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you 
We've been talking about Thyatira. We've been talking about John's book called The Revelation. We're talking about Jesus actually showing up in a vision to John and saying, now, I want you to write this down exactly as I say it, and John did. He did. Revelation chapter 2, beginning with verse 18. This is what he says, that Jesus talking about Thyatira. Jim, he says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God whose eyes are like flames of fire whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly, unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and tensions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve." Jesus is quoted again in the next verse, 24, saying, But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira, who have not followed this false teaching, deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> so what we have here is a Jesus who speaks both harshly and tenderly. Mm-hmm. He speaks both words of judgment and words of promise. He's speaking to some people who I think are hardworking. 
And this brings me back to the garment industry kind of a motif. Right. He's talking to people who have worked hard, and he recognizes their hard work. He affirms them for that. In the old world as in the new, in the ancient world as in the modern, people who work hard, people who are not afraid of, of labor, are honored by God because he has called us in this world to be people who produce and to create and make things that enhance life. And, and that's all recognized here. He speaks to the angel of Thyatira, and let's just address that. Right. Angel is a word that actually means messenger. Some people have read this to mean, and all of the seven churches in the book of Revelation have angels, according to the John's description, uh, a quoting of Jesus, that these angels are actually angels in the way we think of them. They're, they're guardian beings, and they have some kind of spiritual unseen agency. But more often, it has been interpreted to mean the pastors of the churches, mm-hmm. that the pastors are the messengers of God, the, the shepherds, the ones who teach the flock. So speak to the pastor of the church in Thyatira, and that actually brings the text to life. I think that's probably right. the intention here. Yes. And while the people are affirmed for their hard work, there is this warning, right. and the warning has to do with false teaching. Mm-hmm. And as we talked last week about the church in Pergamum, here is the same. Jesus is saying, Thyatira, you're a different city than the other cities I've addressed. You are different than Pergamum, but the message is the same. The problem is the same. In your case, you have a woman who's a false prophet. Is this actually a person named Jezebel? Probably not. Jezebel is a name from the Old Testament, a real person in the Old Testament who betrayed God and led other people astray. And it becomes kind of a, a nickname for anybody who does the same. Right. So there's somebody in this church community that is a Jezebel. She is leading them astray. She is in the community, but she is telling them things that are not true, but they're believing her. Mm-hmm. And it's altering their conduct. And she is going to be severely punished. And notice, Jesus says, I'm giving her a chance to make this right. She doesn't have to go out Right. Uh, with, with my punishment, but she's refusing. She will right. not bend. She continues to pursue her own course against me, and the consequence will be... Yes. Well, it's a harsh judgment. Right. Uh, it's, it's sobering for us to think, I will, I will make her children dead. Now, right. Is this actually a reference to her children? More likely, it's a reference to the people who follow her, people who are her spiritual offspring the ones who have embraced her false teaching, I think those people are doomed. And this mm-hmm. is sobering for us, Jay. Right, exactly. I mean, we're all tempted, aren't we, to yes. think, oh, man, if I could only just believe that. That person kind of makes some sense. And, well, yeah, it's not exactly the way I've been raised. And, yeah, the Bible has to kind of stand on its head. Or, or maybe the Bible isn't really all that anyway. Right, right, right. And right. we get led into a place where actually there's a judgment. I mean, do you think, Jay, can you imagine a time in your own life where... You might have been tempted mm-hmm. to believe something that the Lord pulled you back and said, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I mean, as I, as I read this, as a pastor, I, I sit and I shudder and I, and I read these words and, and I, I wonder how often that I've wanted to stop at verse 19 when he says, and I can see your constant improvement in all these things like love and faith and service and patient endurance, all the things that are, you know, he says, I see your improvement in all these things and, and, and we love to stop right there. But then he says, but I had this complaint against you. And I, 
I immediately go to the things that I know sometimes creep up in my heart that I don't want to face. I don't want him to see. So I just quickly try to revert back to all the improvements that I've made in this area and that area. But what happens is taking what you said a little bit further about, I will strike the children dead, or I will, I will make the church of no consequence. I, I, will, I will have the people under the messenger's watch, you know, have no place to go because, uh, because of being led astray. The very next line in Scripture, Jim says, then all the churches will know that I am the one that searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person. And it is loving, and it is uh, stern, but at the same time, we have to be drawn back through repentance to to what is the truth. And uh, those who do that always seem to get recalibrated with God. And, and, and I think that that's what he calls us to do, is to really look at those areas, Jim, that we don't want to look at. He is giving us praise for some of the other areas, but he wants us to give up everything to him. And he has called out again two big problems. Right, exactly. Honoring idols and sexual sin. Right. This is the constant stalking monster of early Christian life, and I would say of modern Christian life. Yes. When you honor something that is not centered in God, when you are with a wink and a nod, turning away from things that are unrighteous, when you when you just kind of allow yourself to go with the flow of the social norms of our time or whatever. Uh, You're pursuing idolatry. God must be the center. He must be the measure and stick. His word must be the plumb line of how we conduct ourselves and what we judge to be worthy and not. And if you don't, you're following after an idolatrous pagan world. Right. And at the same time, sexual sin is so pervasive, and and it's so easily entangling our souls, and we have to be so careful with it. I'm a guy who believes that sex is a gift of God. It's an awesome, awesome gift of God, and there is a way to explore and to enjoy and to experience your sexuality, but there's a way also that can lead to death, and he's calling that out. And again, these seem to be the markers, the things that separate the Christian church in the first century will be the same things that separate us today from the rest of the world, Mm -hmm. which is the way in which God is in the center of our lives, and we have a sexual ethic that is likely different from what is popular around us. And those are the marks. And Jesus tells them, I know your thoughts and intentions. That just gives me pause to wonder, because I've got some thoughts and intentions that I (laughs) honestly, may the Lord have mercy on me. And he's intervening to say, I want to help you. Ah, but then he says, but if you do not surrender to those evil thoughts and attentions, do not act those out, I promise you, you are going to be blessed. In fact, you're going to be elevated. And again, I think he's speaking to people here who may not be in the wealthy class. These right. are the laborers. Notice right. he praises them for their faith and their patience and their labor, their industry, their, their hard work. And these are people, he's saying, you will someday rule the nations. You are going to be the people at the front of the line. I'm promising you, you just hold steady. Don't try and buy your way to pleasure. You just serve me, and I will give you a station, a status, an authority Mm -hmm. that is the same as I have received from my Father, a same kind of wonderful place in the universe. And he's promising that to all of us, even the most low, even the one who does not have the highest profile job, but the one who serves Jesus. It's an astounding promise. And it had real resonance in Thyatira.
surviving day by day. You barely had the strength to pray in the valley low. And how hard your fight has been, how deep the pain within. Wounds that no one else has seen, hurts too much to show. New York is a great city, uh, Jay. Absolutely. I, I took my honeymoon there 41 years ago wow. this fall mm. and uh, still is a place of special moment for my wife and I. Yes. It has so much charm, so much energy, so much industry, so much mm. life. There's so much good about it, but it's got some dark corners too. Sure. But that's true for every neighborhood, isn't it? For mm-hmm. every city. And Jesus is saying to New York, as he's saying to all of us, wherever we live, follow me. Mm-hmm. Just honor me. Turn away from the ways of this world and make yours the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Be pure and just know that I'm going to honor you and reward you. Your life in this world can be filled with life. doesn't mean it'll be easy, but it will be full and rich, and you'll be grounded and fulfilled. And your life in the world to come, well, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no one can even imagine what that can be when you are following Jesus. You know, the one thing that I will just absolutely take away from the last couple of weeks is that if life does become confusing, if, if you're in a dark place and you're not sure about what is right, what is God calling me to do, the, the theme I see jumping off the page is, is about idols and sexual sin. And if, and if we can reduce it back to that, just to you know, get our bearing once again with Christ, have I put anything else in front of God? Or am, am I thinking about sexual sin? Or am I acting out in sexual, those two things start there. 
and, and let Jesus really take inventory of your heart, and you'll be on the right track. And the Lord will honor you in this world and the next. That's right. How do you get started, though? What to do? You might think, well, that's crazy. I, I don't even know where to start, or I don't even know how to get started, or that's so foreign to the world in which I now walk. We just want you to know that you can start today and find life. Yes, you can. You can start by praying with us. Just take a deep breath. It's a way of, of just like focusing your thoughts. Take a deep breath with us right now and pray. Father, we're so thankful for the word Thankful for John and his faithful witness, but even more, thank you for Jesus who came into this world to show us the way. We thank you for his grace and his mercy, his strength and his courage. We're thankful that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he's still speaking today as he did in the first century. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be able to understand what is idolatry and Mm. and what takes us away from you. Help us to be careful in guarding our sexuality that we might have sexual ethics that are born and defined and honored in the New Testament. We pray, Lord, that we might have life as we surrender our lives into your hands. Help us, Lord, to be able to just repent, to acknowledge our flaws, our faults, our fears, our sin, and allow you to recreate us and make us born again. I pray that your Holy Spirit will stir in the hearts of all of those listeners praying with us now. And I pray before one week passes from this moment, that they will see evidence of your answering to this prayer, Lord. We surrender our lives into your hands. Honor us now and show us the way and reassure us that you have heard our prayer and are making our lives new. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Someday, Jay, I hope you get to take your wife to New York and have a great time. I would love to do that. So much to explore on my honeymoon we sang the song well we didn't sing it but we listened to it (laughs) autumn in new york it was so beautiful central park yes but when you get to new york make sure you stay on the straight and narrow Uh, yes have to and same right in your own neighborhood where you live today me too we're so thankful to have you jay thanks for coming alongside anytime jim and we are thankful that you tuned in as well we hope you'll be with us again next week as we continue to unpack these cities found in the book of revelation Until then, we want you to reach out and talk to us. Let us know if we can answer any of your questions. Give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we want to help you get into connection, relationship to Jesus, or to help you process whatever is on your heart or mind. Now, Jay, if someone didn't want to call us up, though, how can they find us online? Well, they can go online, Jim, and uh, just type in www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's right, CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope, viewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us a message, and we will reply. And if you're online, you could also check us out on Facebook. Just go to Christians Broadcasting Hope. You can see things there, read things there, keep up to date with what's going on in the ministry there. Also, send us a message. We'll reply. And at the last, if you prefer, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up Go online at cbhviewpoint.org, check us out on Facebook, or write me a letter. Let us hear from you this week. For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, and for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.